on this upcoming attractions episode of Midnight Double Feature. The Emmys, what are our thoughts? Plus, we got a short film from Jurassic World called Battle at Big Rock. Also, some cool trailers including Dark Waters and more. Plus, our reviews for Ad Astra and Good Boys. All this and a whole lot more on this upcoming attractions episode of Midnight Double Feature. And we're back for another episode of Midnight Double Feature. Zoheb, how are we doing today? I'm good, dude. How you doing, man? What's what's cracking? What's new? I'm great, man. You know what? I've been weirdly super hype about um, Terminator Dark Fate for some reason. What? Um, I saw a video. I don't know. I just saw a video on YouTube. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really cool. And then I've just like... I've been reading all about the lore behind all the other films and the expanded universe. I've gotten weirdly into that right lately. Um, but then I dug really deep down the rabbit hole, uh, hole, hole um, and I read a bunch of leaks from the test screenings of Terminator Dark Fate, and now I'm less excited. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Although I will say this, I think Terminator Genesis gets a bad rap. I've been watching all the clips over on YouTube and... I think it's not that bad, but uh, Dark Fate, uh, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried now. Uh, what have you been up to, man? Just quickly, I think I, th- I think Genesis gets the exact kind of rap it deserves. <laughs> I... Okay, okay, why? Why, though? It, it's incoherent. What's so bad about it? It's incoherent. Uh, in my opinion, I just think it's incoherent, and it's just, like, it, it, it just, there's no... I feel like there's no originality left in it. Like, I feel like it's just the story that they've, like, wanted to say or needed to say has been said, and they just can't. There's nothing else here. Like, okay, sure, exploring the cloud is a good, is a pretty damn decent idea, but not not really like that. Like, it was just, I don't know. It was not really, it, it, it wasn't for it's me. It's got a lot of flaws. Yeah, it wasn't for me. Yeah, I will admit, it's got a lot of flaws. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, but I I haven't really been up to much. I've seen um I've seen, I've been watching a bunch of TV. Um, if you're, um, I guess you I, have. I guess we'll plug it now. But if you guys are following us in the after party, which is our uh, Facebook group, follow us on the after party. I've been posting some reviews on some about some TV shows that I've just been fucking powering through. Right, I watched Mindhunter. I watched fucking. Um, the boys. I watched Barry. <laughs> I watched one seasons one and two oh, of Barry. Yeah, I've just been on a I fucking love Barry so much. Oh, dude, it's it's fucking incredible. Like it was, I I can't believe it took me that long to fucking get to it. Like you know what I mean? I just I'm kicking myself. But yeah, I've been watching Rick and Morty. Oh yes. Yeah, been watching Rick and Morty. Love it. Yeah, man. Barry is one of those shows where. I was the same with John Wick. It's like I saw it coming from a mile away the second it was announced. And it was like, I can just tell I'm going to love everything about it. And I actually watched most of Barry as it came out from, the, from like almost the get-go. Like I, I think I've gotten halfway through season one. And oh my God, like to me, it's like it's the next Breaking Bad for me. Like it, there's so much room for it to go. It can do drama so well, comedy so well. I fucking love that show. I really need to watch The Boys, though. That's probably next on my to-watch list. Yeah, you really need to watch The Boys. Um, Just quickly, there is an episode in Barry, and I said it in my review, um, and I don't kind of like to say this lightly, but, man, my favorite TV show 
Oh, one of my favorite TV shows of all time is Breaking Bad, and my favorite TV episode of all time is called Ozymandias in Breaking Bad. That was directed by Ryan Johnson. It's in the final season of Breaking Bad. It's absolutely incredible television. And I know that's like such a nerdy thing to say, like my favorite television episode of all time is this. But honestly, when I finished that episode, I was like, I, I haven't seen anything like that ever. And man, Barry absolutely had one of those episodes in it for me. It's in season two. Uh, it's uh, I believe it's around the middle part of the season and it's fucking incredible. I've never seen anything like that on TV or any kind of episode, singular episode like that on TV. Um, it was just absolutely yeah, mind blowing. If you haven't, if you're not on it already, definitely watch Barry uh, and uh, follow the after party if you're not already. <laughs> hey, just real quick before, or do not get in spoilers for people who haven't seen it. But which episode are you talking about? I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, so it's um, <clears throat> is it the one with the girl? It's the one with the, the girl. girl. It's the one with the girl and her father. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have a feeling that's that's a real standout. That's great. I love that scene. And you know what? We can do a whole podcast about Barry some other day. You know what? We, we probably it will when it finishes. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait. Um, but you know what? This is a great, um, this is a really great uh, segue opportunity. And you know me, I love my segues. The, the Emmys just happened. I swear the Emmys must have happened like two weeks ago, but no, that happened again. I haven't watched anything of it, but I do have the the results that I would love to talk about with you. Um, have you seen anything from the Emmys today? I think it just happened not long ago, right? Yeah, it only happened a few hours ago as we record this. But I mean, I I had my first day of my new job today, so it was like like I was in induction, and my phone is like my watch is like vibrating every few like minutes, and it's it's our mutual friend Chris <laughs> who's like messaging me like <laughs> like the winners. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely some shockers in here. There's one that I was just like fuck. Yes, um, but the others like <laughs> like most of it. I'm kind of like meh on because like the only awards yeah. that I like truly, really kind of like champion and really, I wouldn't say passionately but care about, but like the ones that I actually really kind of like come out for are the Oscars. Yeah, now I get you. I feel like the Emmys are the are the next best thing. I think, and I and we don't really cover TV in depth on this show, but I, I like to just quickly in a in a fast round sort of bullet point form thing. Get 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 some reactions from you as we go through these winners here. Um, we've got the list just if you want to pull it up. But um, yeah, the the reason I wanted to, to I thought it was a good segue is because um, the the first one here, outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series. Um, while the winner was Tony Shalhoub, yep. I think you pronounced yep. for Marvelous Miss Maisel. Bulletproof. Um, He's there from are Hulk. not yep. one right. Yeah, uh, there there is not one, not two, but three nominations for Barry for best supporting actor which is just a testament to show like how fucking great this cast is. And I said this last time I covered the Emmys, like I've got to watch The Marvelous Miss Maisel, man, because they just clean up the Emmys every single time. Yeah, I got to get on that shit as well, man. I, I, I do want to. Um, I just It might even be my next show to watch. I'm, I'm currently re-watching The Sopranos with my dad because why the fuck, fuck yeah. not? But honestly, yeah, three, three out of the, what is it, six nominations are for Barry. I can't really think of I can't really decide which one I would have given it to between Anthony Carrigan and Henry Winkler uh, because Henry Winkler especially this season of Barry season two he put in a fucking amazing performance as um uh, Gene, mm. Gene, Gene Cusimano is it is it Cusano Cusano Jesus Christ Cusimano that, um, see I'm getting mixed up with Sopranos <laughs> it's a fucking his next door's neighbor's <laughs> name is Cusano Cusimano. 
<laughs> and uh, Anthony Carrigan obviously played Noho Hank, who is fucking awesome as well. Between those two, I love him. Um, yeah, I can't really decide, but I think I might give it to Winkler. If anything, so just like Barry, Marvelous Miss Maisel has been cleaning up. Um, meaning it won again um, for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. It went to Alex Borstein. I hope things take yeah, out. Uh, um, it's uh, Alex Borstein. You know who she is? Not off the top of my she head. She's the voice of Lois from Family Guy. Ah, good for her. I didn't realize she was in this show. That's cool. Another reoccurring thing you'll see with these is there's a lot of nominations for some new show that I've never heard of before called Fleabag. Do you know anything about Fleabag? Yeah, I do. I heard it's great. Um, it's got uh, the lead is uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who played the, I can't remember, the, the uh, um, L- L2 in Solo, um, the robot. Ah, oh, she was funny, yeah. Yeah, she was great. I, I heard I heard this show is actually a winner, like like absolutely fantastic. So that that might be on my radar as well. Oh, and Kate McKinnon was one of the noms there for Saturday Night Live. I didn't realize she was still on SNL. She's been doing so many movies lately. So moving through it, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series, um, Bill Hader took it for Barry. Fuck so yeah. back on everything we've been saying. Yeah, man. And he had some like tight competition too, like, like beating Ted Danson, like that's pretty awesome. But that being said, I don't know. I feel like Ted Danson, he gets his nominations mostly. He's like, he's kind of like Meryl Streep. Like he's known as a veteran <laughs> to people. Yeah. I feel like he always gets, like, and, and I love The Good Place, but I don't think he's the best actor on that show personally, but that's me. Uh, I did grow up obsessed with Becca though for some reason. So I love that guy. Moving through, uh, Fleabag took it for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. Beating out uh, Miles and Smazel, also Julia Louise Dreyfus from Veep, um, which just had their final season. Did you ever watch Veep, bro? I started it. I, have, I haven't finished it. No, I, it, it, it's it's I taken the same me a thing, while. Yeah. yeah, I reckon I would like it if I was able to binge it on like a platform, but I don't know if any platforms in Australia have it. Foxtel now. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, moving through it. Um, outstanding reality competition series. RuPaul's Drag Race won that. I speak for both of us where we don't really care for that category. Um, Agreed. Moving through, outstanding lead actor in a limited se- series or TV movie. Went to Jarell Jerome for When They See Us. So Never heard of this, that either. Yeah, this is this is one I got to talk about. So I, I talked about When They See Us on on the on the podcast. Yeah, that's the that's the one that's the one where uh, it's 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 directed by Ava DuVernay. It's a it's a Netflix series. It's about the Central Park Five. These five young kids who. Uh, were thrown into jail. Um, true story. Were thrown into jail pretty pretty much innocently. Like they were they were kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the police just absolutely fucked them up in the interview room, in the interrogation room, and violated their civil rights. And um, yeah, but th- this guy, Joel Jerome, plays. I believe his name is Antoine in the in the in the show. And this poor bastard spent ages in the hole. <laughs> um, Based on based on a false false conviction, so yeah, that episode that because uh, I know I know the exact episode that he's being nominated for because he's only in one episode, Jarrell Jerome. So sure. he fucking killed it, dude. Like that episode is absolutely incredible. I believe it's a it's a series final as well, so it all kind of hinges on him. But yeah, it's fucking awesome. I'm actually I'm actually surprised he beat out Jared Harris for Chernobyl. So yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> I was waiting for your reaction because yeah. you love Chernobyl. I still haven't seen it. I will get around to it. it. Yeah. Uh, moving through it, though, uh, that was very interesting. I, I do actually remember you talking about that show now. Outstanding lead actress in a limited TV series or movie. I uh, went to Michelle Williams for Fosse Verdon. 
I'm not sure of that one. The next one I know you're going to be really excited for. Um, standing, outstanding limited series. The winner went to Chernobyl. Fuck yes. Could it? Okay. I, I don't think it could have been anything else. I mean, When They See Us was absolutely incredible. Um, I heard Escape at Danamora was pretty good. So that one was, um, I believe, either directed by or created or both uh, by Ben Stiller um, and starring um, ah. yeah, Benicio Del Toro. So I, I heard that's pretty good. I haven't unfortunately heard of the other two, though. Yeah, well, you certainly heard of more than me, which is funny. Like I try and keep keep tabs on these sort of things, but... That went under my radar. <laughs> um, the the next one, um, our staying support actress in series and movie, um, goes to Patricia Ar- Arquette for the act. Yep, I knew I was going to fuck that up. <laughs> Supporting actor in limited TV series and movie, um, Ben Whishaw for a very English scandal TV movie. Here's an interesting one: the best TV movie award, whatever, went to Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Hmm. Beating out Deadwood, which I did not know how to movie this year, but and and, and one on Brexit. But what do you reckon, Black Mirror Bandersnatch? Is it is it a movie? Like there were going into it, people thought it was like a limited season, like a special season. Oh, but I, I didn't guess get that you could call all. it a movie. So I, I remember some people they they thought like, when they announced it, they thought it was a season, count as a season. But no, uh, apparently Netflix call it a movie. It's interesting though because it sort of defies the conventions of what is a movie. You could call it a game, it's interactive experience, it's transmedia, piece of entertainment. Yeah, um, like honestly, we reviewed it on the show. We thought the story was pretty meh. It had some good moments, but I'm guessing where it wins a lot of its credit is just by being- In- Innovative. I don't want to call it revolutionary, but it's it's different for a streaming platform to do, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, and you know, you do have to give credit where credit's due- for them trying to push this technology or, you know, but still. A standing variety sketch series. I still can't believe this is a genre, uh, this is a fucking category. genre or a, yeah. a category. Because, um, of course, Saturday Night Live is going to take it. Um, that being said, who is America? Like, that could have- It's not that good, That was pretty though. good. I mean, yeah, I, I don't- I mean, I can- No, I'm like not it? a fan. Uh, like, it, it just seems like- it seems like he's trying too hard, Sasha Baron Cohen. It seems, it seems like he's trying too hard sometimes, and I'm just like, meh, I'm good. The problem with a show like that um, is it can be hit and miss, but, man, I feel like when that show hits, it hits hard. Yeah, I'll I tell you what's better than Who, Who is America. Uh, one of the other nominees, Drunk History. That's fucking good. Wasn't that originally like a YouTube show or a podcast or something before it was it, a show? It may have been. I'm not too sure, but I, I first saw it on, on, um, on Foxtel. Hmm. And um, I've seen a little bit of I Love You, America with Sarah Silverman. Like, it's, it's all right. But you know, I love Sarah Silverman, but I don't know. The next category is a no-brainer, um, Outstanding Variety Talk Series. As always, the winner is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. The writing on that show, like, it feels unfair to the others in that category because the the the, the thought and effort that goes in that show and its particular structure is just, so different to its competition. Like the others are like, they're sort of restricted by that same old format. And while, and instead like John Oliver's show is basically just like a 20 minute monologue about where like they take you on a journey to discover something and always ends in some crazy antic or mm. gimmick. So it's not, it's not really, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't watch talk shows, so it's not really a category that I can speak to. 
I don't watch talk shows, but I'd watch the monologues on YouTube. I do like that. But uh, John Oliver, like, it shouldn't really be compared to them because like, it's doing a completely different thing. And it always wins every year. I think ever since it started, it's always won this category. And here's a big one. And I'm curious about this one, your thoughts. Um, outstanding supporting actor in a drama. When I went to Peter Dinklage for Game of Thrones. Now, I don't know about you, and this had some competition here, um, especially in Game of Thrones. Now, I love Peter Dinklage. I think he's done great. He's had some amazing seasons of Game of Thrones, but I feel like he did a lot this season. I um, I might, I might, yeah. Look, in in hindsight, and relative like to everything going on in the plot, for sure, he didn't do too much this season. But now that I think about it, he definitely got some pretty awesome monologues. Um, and look, you know, you can you can talk shit about like what he was saying, like in terms of the story and the concepts and stuff. But there's no denying that Peter Dinklage kind of knocked out of the park, right? I mean, like, he... And it's not really the speech that everyone kind of, like, complains about. It's the it's the one, um, you know, the one where everyone complains about where he's like, oh, how about we nominate Bran for King? Not not that one. But the, the <laughs> speech that um, he gives to Jon um, just before she stabs Daenerys, I, I absolutely... If there's if there's one thing to kind of salvage the finale, it's that scene and it's Tyrion in that sort of moment. So, I I do like Tyrion. Uh, oh, sorry, I do like Peter Dinklage, and I I think um, you know, I don't think Nicola Costa Waldo, uh, who plays um, Jamie, I don't I don't think he should have been nominated. I mean, like he was good, but I don't know. Meh. Um, same goes. Oh, sorry, Alfie Allen was actually pretty damn fucking great, especially his last scene. Uh, Jonathan Banks, Better Call Saul, was really fucking great. Um, I I barely remember um, John Carlo Esposito as Gus Fring in Better Call Saul this season. I barely remember. Yeah, yeah. About that, I was thinking the same thing. Like he has been in the last, I think, two seasons now, or I know, it's been a while um, of Better Call Saul, but he hasn't really done a lot. Like, and he's not even. I wouldn't even. He's not even no. like a main. No, well, I character. mean, like in a supporting actor, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but like, I would argue Jonathan Banks is almost a lead. Like, if there's a second lead in that show, it's probably him. But yeah, Giancarlo Esposito, um, he's obviously amazing, um, and he's done some amazing performances. But I don't know if he's one got his his big performance this season. Yep. You know, um, I'm hoping for more in the future from him. I'm now. really keen for that show to come back on air. To be honest. Yeah. Um, it got delayed. I think we're not getting it till next year now. But um, in about a few weeks, we're getting the Breaking Bad movie, which um was pretty exciting. So Dropped its new teaser today as well. Ah uh, yes, yes. Uh, I can't wait, man. I can't wait to. See what I just finished been uh, rewatching season five, which is probably the best season I've ever Flawless. seen of anything on television. Yeah. yeah so anyways, let's, let's smash through the rest of this. Outstanding supporting actress in drama, which is Julia Garner for Ozark. Still a show I've been meaning to watch. A it's lot a of Game show. of Thrones noms there as well. Like we got yeah. one, two, three, four, four noms for Game of Thrones there. Yeah, I think um I think I would have given this one to Maisie Williams, but um yeah. It really was her season, I feel, you know? Yeah, she was she was fantastic. Even, you know, uh, again, taking away the bullshittery and like the shitty writing, she did a fucking great job with what she was given, like, you know, when she's walking around uh, fucking uh King's Landing and shit as it's being destroyed and yeah, she did a great job, I thought. Mm. After that we got outstanding lead actor in drama series, went to Billy Porter for Pose. Um, Who is this and what is this show? I don't know. I don't know. I know everything else in the nominated here. I don't know that one. I can't. Because 
Come out and of that's nowhere. That's what I'm saying. Look at the. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Come out of nowhere, dude. Like, look at all the other nom- nominees. Like Jason Bateman for Ozark, who did incredible <laughs> an incredible job. Sterling Cray Brown from This Is for This Is Us. I mean, like this guy's been killing it. He was in Black Panther. Yeah. Kid Harrington for Game of Thrones, right? You know, he's fucking great. Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. Amazing work this season. Mm. Um, and Milo Ventimiglia, who from This Is Us, uh, I mean, like, you know, if you want to point him to something, he was in Heroes. He played Peter Petrelli. <laughs> but, I mean, these are names that we've heard of. Yeah. And, like, Billy Porter just comes out of nowhere and be like, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going <laughs> to let you finish. <laughs> and Bob Odenkirk had such a great season in particular. Um, he had some great material to work yeah, with. Yeah, I would have given this one to Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. yeah. Next, we got Outstanding Lead Actress in Drama Series. Went to Jodie Connor for Killing Eve. Pretty, that's like one of the few categories where it's like, there's no doubles in that. Oh, no, no, no my, my mistake. Killing Eve is twice too. <laughs> well, this is this is also another another category where it's like, who's Jodie Comer? <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, Amelia Clark, Viola Davis, right? Like, Laura Linney, mm. Mandy Moore, Sandra O, oh, Robin Wright. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then you got Jodie Comer. I've, I, I mean, look, I've never even heard of her, but I, I, it makes me want to watch Killing Eve now. It's pretty crazy to think like you beat Viola Davis. Like that's that's insane. Outstanding comedy series next. When I went to Fleabag, uh again, one of the reasons why I gotta watch this show, it beat Barry. And Barry had an amazing season. Um and Veep, I feel, often cleans up at the Emmys. Um, I never understood why, but I don't know. And then finally, probably the one that's got the most controversy around it or whatever. Is for outstanding drama series. The winner went to Game of Thrones. Uh, why is it controversial? Because unanimously, unanimously, the entire fan base seemed to hate the last season. What do you think? Is it too harsh? Did something deserve um, to beat Game of Thrones in this? I, I think. I think the winner should have been Better Call Saul. I think. Look, Game of Thrones this season, and, and I'd like to get to. Uh, we we just got a comment from Mike Hilger on the after party that I'd like to read, just in regards to this. But yeah, I, I I'm not really a fan of like these kinds of awards where it's like, oh okay, well look at what Game of Thrones has done for the industry, and because it's its final season, let's give it to them. Like you know what I mean? I'm not really, I've never I've never really been a fan of those kinds of Oscars either. Like I'm not really, I don't think, um, you know, when Leo won for The Revenant, I was not surprised, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I kind of thought his best performance was in The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, but you know, whatever. Well, that's exactly how I feel about, like, some of these awards. Like, let's talk about P- Peter Dinklage, you know? Yeah. Seasons, like, yeah. three and four, yeah. like, when his character had a lot of, like, good material to work with. Fuck yeah. But now it's, like, kind of feels like they're just, like, oh, shit, you know? That being said, I've got... I want to play devil's advocate here. Tell me if I'm crazy. Compared to its competition, and I haven't seen all these shows, so I can't speak for everything, but I think Gareth Thrones deserved to win this. Oh my God, Matt, why? Well, think about it, right? Let's say you don't like the script. That is one element among many elements of what equals to this award. Even if we put that aside, this season took two years to make for a reason, right? The action scenes we did is better than some of the big blockbuster Hollywood shit you see. The the way they use, like, they finally put all these things together and just the VFX and the way that they did these such longer episodes and the shit that must have been put together to make these these things, I think is pretty incredible. In fact, I think it's a monumental in, in as 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 a as a tentpole in TV. 
Now, is it the best story we've seen from Game of Thrones? No, but I think you could argue that the storytelling in season eight of Game of Thrones is still better than a lot of other drama competition that has out there, even if it's just not as of the same standard as it was before. Now, am I crazy for thinking this? Maybe, but that's where I'm at. I mean, yeah, I can see what you're getting at, but I might I might need to disagree. I mean, and look, let's not blow this up to fucking something, right? Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't think... I think especially this season of Game of Thrones, I think the weakest, I mean, like, look, the script aside, it had bigger problems than the script. I mean, not bigger, but, like, there were more issues than past seasons. Like, it's sloppily edited, right? Like, just the fact that we got two, not one, not one coffee cup, we got a coffee cup and we got a fucking (laughs) bottle of water. Like, that speaks to the fucking editing, right? That talks about the post-production. And then we've also got the... And then we've also got, I guess, the colour grading or, again, editing again in episode, what is it, three? The, like, where the Night night King comes? Like, it's just... really dark, yeah. It just seems to be... It just seems like that, that production was rushed. Um, and, and I'm not just going by the script writing. I'm talking about pretty much everything. I would call this season of Better Call Saul a a much more cohesive TV show or season of a TV show, like in terms of acting, in terms of script writing, in terms of editing, in terms of fucking even the score of the music, dude. Like Dave Porter does the score of that um, show, like from Breaking Bad, and he's fucking incredible. But I mean, you know, Ramin Duwadi, like he fucking kills it with Game of Thrones every year. So, but yeah, I, I just I, I think this this should have gone to Better Call Saul. Admittedly, I haven't seen Bodyguard or Killing Eve. I have seen Ozark, haven't seen Pose, haven't seen Succession, haven't seen This Is Us. So maybe I'm not the best person to get this from. But I think you know, Game of Thrones. I I don't know. I think it should have been Better Call Saul. You know what? Good points. Good points, all of them. And I like Better Call Saul, so why not? Um, you said you had a comment in the after party you wanted to read? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, our boy Mike Hilger, I, I shared I shared the post of um, of Game of... Oh, sorry, of Chernobyl winning. Uh, our girl Leanna Fallon said, well-deserved, can't say the same for Game of Thrones, right? And I was just like, oh, well, yeah, I kind of agree with you there. And then Mike Hilger said a pretty awesome comment, right? He said, I'm not the biggest fan of, quote, legacy award wins, but I think there's something about something to be said about a TV show the size of Game of Thrones that might be the latest, quote, water cooler talk TV show we ever see. You can say what you want about the plot of this season, but the show still did things no other show has before uh, and may never will again. I think, I think to say that we'll never get another water cooler talk TV show a type TV show is it's a bit of a stretch. I think me we might not get one for a while, but I think we will get one. So I think um, yeah. we will, and I think we may already have it. We just don't know yet. What I find with a lot of these shows is they become water cooler shows. They're never like that straight away. It usually you wait till like the third season or so for it to happen. Yeah. Like yeah. like no one really gave a fuck about Game of Thrones until season four, I feel. You know? Sorry, so Breaking Bad till season four. Game of Thrones, some people got in a bit early, like season two. But like usually the first season, I think often gets ignored by people. But yeah, I, I, I think to add to his point though, I feel like Netflix and their model of the binge watch, like dropping it all on one weekend, that is what's killing the water, kill, water cooler conversations because it means we get the whole thing at once. So it means we get one conversation, you know? But when you get it week by week by week, we get multiple. We get 12 conversations. We get 24 conversations, you know? 
But yeah, it's yeah, a good point. But I mean, for those of us who are antisocial and don't care about water cooler talk, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> well, mate, this podcast is your water cooler. So yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, look, uh, we spent way more time on the Emmys than I originally planned. So let's move on. Let's move on real quick to, to, to some news, shall we? Bro, let's, let's talk real quick about, to me, probably the biggest one, the one that sort of caught me off guard. Um, Jurassic World released a short film that sort of takes place in between, I guess, the last film and what will be the next one, where dinosaurs are among us in the world. It's called Battle at Big Rock. What would you think of this, man? Yeah, I don't know. People kind of went crazy for this, and I was just like, <laughs> uh, guys, it's it's nothing we didn't see in Jurassic World. <laughs> and like, I mean, it's it's just <laughs> fucking a, a, a trapped a trapped family or, or a family unit, um, you know, we, we, like with fucking raging dinosaur battles going on outside and family unit in, intercedes. Like that happens in Jurassic World and pretty much in the same style too. Um, like this is obviously directed by Colin Trevorrow who did Jurassic World, was supposed to come, well, was supposed to direct Star Wars Episode Nine, but was fired and I guess he's directing shorts now, but I don't know. It's It's a good looking short. It looks fantastic. Um, the CG is fantastic. This might be the most expensive short film ever made, but um, it didn't really do anything for me. It's still, you know, after the the the, the sour taste that Fallen Kingdom left in my mouth, it didn't really do anything to re- to revitalize it. I think this I think this kind of series needs something. I think it needs a shot in the arm, and I don't really know how it's going to get it. I I don't think this is it. I think this is kind of more of the same. <coughs> I do like that. This uh, concept takes place shortly after the what happens at the end of Fallen Kingdom. Um, that you know the dinosaurs are kind of out and about. I like that because I did want to see what that kind of looks like. But yeah, I don't know. It just kind of like ended up being the same thing. So that's you think? interesting you say that because I feel like this short is the shot in the arm. I feel like okay, and you are right. Jurassic World already did this. In fact, they did this more than ten years ago. But it's. And I'm hoping this 10 is years? Indi- maybe more. It's got to be at least ten. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fifteen. So sorry, Jurassic World. Oh, sorry, I meant Jurassic. Um, I meant the Lost World. I feel like the Lost World did this a bit. Oh, the dinosaur there. I don't think Jurassic yeah. World did this at all. Yeah, yeah. In fact, this is why I think it's a shot in the arm. I think it's a complete change in direction of tone. That's what I took from because Jurassic World and to me, Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. Like this Marvel happy-go-lucky wink at the camera. It's a fun adventure. It almost like it's some Indiana Jones shit, except like Indiana Jones on with candy. It's like it's a very Hobbs and Shawy almost. Like it's it's too happy. And I feel like Chris Pratt. Easy. I don't, Easy. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't. I don't like Fallen Kingdom, and I think Jurassic World isn't great. Like I think, look, I think it's good for what it's trying to be, but that's not what I want Jurassic Park to be. Not what I want Jurassic World to be. What I was great about the original trilogy, especially the first film and even the second film, is that the dinosaurs were scary and it was dark. It was almost kind of realistic. In this one, in these new ones, it's like his best friends are a Velociraptor and they they rides motorbikes with Velociraptors and he's saying funny jokes. And this one, it's like you're scared that a baby's going to get eaten by a fucking T-Rex, you know? Well, it's not T-Rex, it's something similar, but whatever. So, like, I really like the tone and approach to this, and I hope the new movie is like that. But, like, I don't get the same, like, popcorn-y, well, not popcorn, like the bubblegum sort of vibe um, from the other ones. So I really hope this is a, 
is a direction for the, the new ones. But I've got a question for you. I don't know if you have an answer or, or have me. a theory. Why the fuck did they release a short film? I mean, think about it. It's not marketing because they've got nothing to promote. The new movie isn't probably isn't coming out soon. Or at least I haven't heard anything about the new one. They released it for free on the internet. So like it's like part of the DVD. What is the motivation? Like there's this usually whenever you do get a short film or something like this, it's usually like it's a it's an add-on to promote the film. But like, I don't know, did maybe Colin Trevorrow is that his name? Colin Trevorrow, yeah. Maybe he like didn't maybe they haven't greenlit the next film. So this is made as like a test thing to show like, oh, this new direction we could take it in. Maybe it's testing the waters. Like, do you why would they release a short film, bro? With spending all this money on it too. I, I think I think I have two possible answers, right? So uh, a, I think it's because it, it could be the studio still trying to, I guess, test the waters to see if there's still interest in this uh, franchise following Fallen Kingdom, which was kind of, it, it's pretty, it wasn't very well received, I don't think, right? No. Like, I don't think it did very well in terms of, like, critically and in terms of the audience as well. I'm not sure about box office, actually. Maybe if you want to check that, that's great. But, um yeah. But also, B, I think the second reason is Colin Trevorrow just fucking had nothing else to do because his movie just bombed, which is The Book of Henry. Like, that movie <laughs> apparently was one of the worst films ever. So maybe he just didn't have anything to do. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think I think I, it's, it's either a, 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 either those two or it's a combination of, two, of those two. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to read something. I found uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom roars towards one billion. Uh, Monster's 1.7 billion. Uh, last one's 1.7 billion. It looks like it was a big success in uh, terms yeah, of box office. $1.3 billion. Critically, yeah. it was trash. And uh, we're on record saying that because it feels like two movies sticky taped together as to one with a very incredibly boring middle act. It just it feels like- I hate that movie. It just feels like the writers never took a writing class. It, it goes against so many basic principles, I feel. Um, but yeah, anyways- I thought it was kind of cool. I hope that's a that's indicative of where the future of the franchise goes. Um, but we'll see. Okay, and uh, next up, James Gunn released an interesting picture online, didn't he? Pretty much showing the entire cast of Suicide Squad, and it's fucking massive, isn't it? It's uh, it's it's huge. Um, but I mean, there's no one on that cast list that was. That really kind of like surprised me. I mean, like either they were rumored or they've been confirmed. So I'm not really, I wasn't really like fully, you know, like blown away. But I mean, you know what? I am impressed with the cast that is assembled because only, I mean, come on, man. Only James Gunn can like fucking assemble a cast like this. This is fucking great. Um, There was a note saying, uh, I can't remember the top of my head, but something like, uh, don't get too attached, implying that a lot of these people will die. I'm hoping it doesn't mean... These are all the members of the Suicide Squad. I'm hoping some of them are villains. Maybe it's a Suicide Squad versus another team. I don't want to no, go through. I don't all- think it's just. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think this is the entire squad. I hope not. I mean, but- sorry, uh, sorry. I don't think all these guys are the squad. Sorry. Yeah, that's what yeah. I meant to say. Um, I don't want to go through all the names because I feel like we just did that with the Emmys, and that was a little long. But um, some names that jump out. I mean, tell me if anything else pops out at you. John Cena, I believe. Uh, we knew that before. Rumor is he might do a Rick Flag type character or some sort of military guy. He's good at doing those roles. Um, Jack Corney, as implies, is probably coming back as Captain Boomerang, who was weirdly really cool. I liked in Suicide Squad, just he barely did anything. 
Um, uh, Nathan Fillion, that's every nerd on the planet jizzed when they heard that. Sean Gunn, obviously, because James Gunn. Pete Davidson. I'm stoked to see Pete Davidson in something like this. Taika Waititi, come on, man. Like, I think it's hilarious that with with the first Suicide Squad, like, they were like, oh, make it like Guardians of the Galaxy. And then so they get James Gunn on board. And then when Thor Ragnarok came out, it's like, oh, let's make it like Guardians of the Galaxy. And so they get Taika Waititi on board, you know. I feel like that's that's pretty cool. Um, there's a few more names here. Um, Viola Davis, obviously coming back as Amanda Waller. Uh, Idris Elba. Um, I know people talked about him maybe being dead shot. I don't know if that's confirmed. Do you know if that is? Uh, no, he's playing, a, he's playing a different character. That's been confirmed by James Gunn. Right. Um, and Margaret Robbie coming back, obviously, as Harley Quinn. And Michael Rooker, uh, Rooker um, I don't know if we know his character yet. But um, that's only just some of the names that stood out to me. I don't know if I missed anyone there's, to you, there's bro. There's two that I want to mention just quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter Capaldi, who played, who was one of the doctors in Doctor Who. And David Dismolchin, obviously, from, you know, The Dark Knight and Prisoners and big friend of Kevin Smith. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's awesome. I love that dude. Does uh does this increase the hype for you, bro? Um, I'll wait till I see a trailer, but I know that it's probably already gonna be at least decent, um, because it's James Gunn. So yeah. Yeah. I know. It's um it puts a little bit more faith into the franchise I feel seeing an announcement like this. But I also want to state that uh I think it's really fucking stupid that they keep half the continuity and half not the continuity. I'd like them to commit to the Jared Leto Joker. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I feel like if you make a bed, you gotta lie in it. I don't think it was that bad compared to other people. That's me personally. Joker. Speaking of Joker. Segways! Speaking of Joker, the Joker's got a lot of Oscar buzz, doesn't it, bro? Yeah, man. The, the This this is now my most anticipated film of the year. <laughs> um, and I did say I did say it was probably going to be the reviews that sway me. So just just seeing how overly positive the reviews for this film are, just, just wow. It was something that I... Couldn't have predicted uh, Todd Phillips, the director of Hangover. All three of the Hangovers, Due Date, School for Scoundrels, could make. You know, I, I'm hearing a lot of buzz around Joaquin absolutely being fucking front runner of um, the the best uh, best actor category, the Oscars next year. But there was mainly the reason I wanted to talk about Joker was uh, there was a conversation on uh, the latest episode of Fat Man on Batman or Fat Man Beyond, rather as it's called now. And basically, you know, it's Kevin Smith, like, talking about it. Like, he's like, you know, I'm fucking so excited. Um, like, he always does, which is great. I love his positivity. But then, like, Mark Bernardin, who is his co-host on that show, um, <clears throat> expressed his kind of, like, I guess, trepidation for this movie. Rather, like, you know, he said he's excited to see it, but he's also like, I don't really think that this is the right film to be coming out right now. Um, I don't really think... Well, look, I'm paraphrasing here, right? This isn't exactly how he said it, but, like... It is a wonderful, it is actually quite a pretty awesome conversation, but like he's kind of saying that this is a film that, you know, whose mission statement it is to venture into the mind of a psychopath and see how he's born and kind of like it's about a loner who decides to explode and cause violence on people. And in a world where we're having tragedies uh, pretty much every day caused by people who are who think they're alone and who can't turn to anyone and turn to violence, then is this the kind of movie that we should be, A, putting out right now and B, kind of giving a lot of praise to and a lot of media attention to. So I, I thought that was a pretty um, pretty 
pretty cool conversation. I don't fully agree with Mark, what he's saying, because, like, you know, it can be interpreted, like any kind of um, piece of art or media can be misinterpreted or taken different ways. And I think I don't think we should let what's happening in the world stop that. I think we should kind of always promote different artists to, um, I guess, you know, send different messages or whatever, um, even if they are provoking, even if they do poke the bear. So, yeah, but I just thought that was a great conversation that should absolutely be heard if you haven't heard it already. But, yeah, what do you think about that, Matt? Oh, I think I'm sort of agreeing with Mark a little bit. I do think, though, we have to draw a line between art and reality, obviously, and um, it's I normally would say, oh, it's based on a comic book, but it's not really, like, you know... But uh, it's interesting. Like it's, it, it could be. I understand his point, but I believe the type of communities that would be reviewing this and praising it, if they thought it was an issue, they'd probably raise it up as well. We can judge for ourselves when the movie finally yeah. comes out for us to see. But interesting. I just read a review the other day, or I saw a review on YouTube the other day, um, from IGN about the latest Rambo film, and that is similar comment, uh. um, but a little bit differently though. They were saying <clears throat> that they think the film is a little tone deaf in terms of what modern culture is because in that film they're constantly apparently putting out i think it's mexicans to be they're always evil people and stuff like that and it's like well with everything that's going on in america right now um and then you, you're also throwing violence in on top of that it seems a little bit like hmm, maybe it's not the movie for right now and i can't make a judgment on that without seeing the film but i can sort of understand that point if you're making if you're telling a st- story that might have made sense a while ago but like, it's like if it's like if the day after nine eleven you released a film about I don't know planes crashing, it would be insensitive, you know. So okay, that's probably a bad example, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, no, I get what you're saying. I and get what you're I saying. do get that vibe from 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 this movie. It's like it's almost glorifying me- the the this mentally deranged person. Um, in the other films, the Joker is a bad guy. It's meant it's meant to show, look, it's bad. But it's like they're trying to make us sympathize with him for what I say. But I'm curious. Like, I honestly think we're missing a piece of the puzzle with Joker. To see what the hype is about, I think there's something we're not seeing that we don't understand. And I feel like their purpose has shown us very little. So once I see it, I know the thematic's better. I can probably relate to it and understand it more. I still stand by my original I stance. I don't think we're supposed to relate to this film. Uh, well... Are we meant to sympathize with it? How are we meant to connect with it? You know? Or maybe it's a better word. Yeah. Connect. Well, we'll, to connect. We'll connect. Yeah. We had an interesting conversation in the after party. I don't want to get too deep into it. But um, funnily enough, like we had a lot of people saying they weren't keen for this movie um, based on the fact that it didn't feel like a superhero film and stuff like that, which is a fair criticism. I know I've said the same thing as well. But, you know, I guess you could say the same thing about something like Logan. We'll see what happens. It is interesting to see that a film like this is getting Oscar buzz, like a film based on the Joker. So yeah, we'll see what happens, I suppose. In the meantime, I'm really keen for it, dude. That um, that, yeah. that second trailer that dropped uh, quite recently, <coughs> I was initially like, oh, I don't know, this doesn't really do anything for me. But then, man, the more I watched it, it's just like I am now firmly on the hype train, and that is before the reviews dropped. Like I was just like, damn, like this is. It looks like he is putting in a performance, and it is. It looks like the way that trailer's cut. My favorite part is just that that moment after the title card, where it's like "Send in the clowns," and he does that dance. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, he lo- he's going out there to kill, probably literally." So uh, I hope they don't. T- I hope it doesn't feel like a school shooting if they do stuff like that. That's what would get me to feel the way that that guy was talking about. 
um, that could well, be. Well, in um, I mean, like I I heard. I mean, like this is not. I'm not going off any leaks or anything like that. But I mean, in the Dark Knight Returns, right? Like the comic, like the fucking seminal comic. Doesn't he go out and like gas an entire theater full of people? Uh yeah. He pretty much goes on like a talk show and tries to kill everyone. Which maybe that's what right. this is. It certainly implies elements of that. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see, man. Like, but at the end of the day, like, if it's a well-made film, I'll be on board. So, yeah. But this isn't oh, what I it. asked for. It's not what I'm asking for when I asked for a Joker film. So if you give me something really left field, it better be good. And it's getting all this buzz, so it's probably good. Last piece of news item that we've got here is, um, dude, they're rebooting Face Off. <laughs> um, look, I don't want to get too. I don't want to talk about it for too long. But what did you think of the original, bro? Um, I'm indifferent. Like, I mean, you know, two, two crazy and wild performances. But other than that, didn't really like the action. I thought it was way too long. I'm not really interested in it. But I mean, great fucking Nick Cage performance and fucking wild John Travolta performance. But other than that, man, I'm rolling. Really not into it. Sorry, John Woo. <laughs> well, look, honestly, that's. Kind of my point. Like, I love Face Off. Probably for the wrong reasons, but I love it. But the reason I love it is because of the two actors. It's John Travolta with Nick Cage trying to impersonate each other the whole time. It's That's what makes it fun. You can't tell me you're going to reboot this film without them. Like, and you'd think Hollywood would learn by now. Like, when every time this happens, it fails. Like, anything, because with films, right, it's either going to rule off the concept or it's going to rule from the cast. That's 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 kind of how what, what sort of makes or breaks something like this, right? And sure, you could do something like, I was recently, we had Child's Play where they had a cool concept around this character, fair enough. But then you look at all the f- things that get rebooted where it's about the, the winning thing was about the, um, the relationship of two characters. They always flop. Point break. Flop. Rush Hour when they made a TV series. Flop. Fucking... Dude, there's, uh, there's like a thousand that come, uh, uh, just no one's coming to mind right now. It just seems like, w- why? You know? It, it, it's, it's just like whenever they're trying to reboot a Schwarzenegger film. They've done like about five times, nearly all of them flop, except for the Terminator ones. But that's because he's still in it, you know? It's because people weren't going because the story was so good. They were going because of the actor. It's like if we rebooted Fast and the Furious tomorrow without Vin Diesel, without... Paul Walker and all that without, 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 no one would give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I get you. And, um, I know there's talk now about I doing mean, another um, twins movie with Peter Dinklage and Jason Momoa. Maybe that'll be good, but it'll be good for different reasons what? because of the actors, you know? Did you hear about that? Fuck. Yeah. No, um, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is, um, just quickly, Matt, before we move on, um, there is a little piece of news that's breaking right now. Um, and I don't want to, like, you know, Want to spend too much time on this, but it is pretty sad. Um, Sid Haig, who played Captain Spaulding in Devil's Rejects uh, and House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, just passed away. What? Um, yeah. So he was also in Rob Zombie's Three from Hell, which is currently doing its premiere, like its tour, like right now. Um, yeah, that's crazy. In fact, like I don't want to plug myself too much here, but. Uh, I've got a film um, called She's Not Your Type that's going to play in Melbourne next month uh, with Three from Hell as part of nice. that festival as well. Um, that's really sad, man. Oh, nice. I grew up I grew up really loving those two films in particular. And uh, he was like one of the best parts of that film. Like he he, he, he really like leapt out. So uh, yeah, that's a shame. 
So yeah, do, do you know? Do we know the cause or anything like that? Um, no, my internet's fucking up too. So I'll just post it in the after party. Oh, shame. Uh, look, let's move on. Let's let's just get through a couple trailers um, before we run off uh, for the day. Have you seen the trailer for In the Tall Grass, a new Stephen King film? Yes, I have. Uh, this was a yeah. I was kind of like surprised at this. Um, you know, not really something that was on my radar, but you know, big seeing as you know every fucking Stephen King book or novella is being adapted these days. Um, yeah, this looks fine. You know, it looks it looks like a straight to Netflix film, which it I think it is. Um, Patrick Wilson, I will I will watch into pretty much everything. So yeah, I'll I'll definitely check this out. It looks it looks fine. <laughs> I think fine is the right word. Um, look, I'm a, I think I'm in the minority here, but Stephen King concepts don't really grab me. They always seem a little too silly, but they they, steady, they could work. Steady. I think you look, know I think, who the other co-host on this podcast is. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm sorry, Colin, but I feel like look. I think with the concept as wacky as the stuff that he comes up with you really do need the right director behind because it's so easy to fuck up some of these things, you know? Well, the director behind this one uh, is a guy named Vincenzo Natale and, like, it comes up, like, right at the end of the trailer, like, in big letters. So I'm like, who is this guy? Looked him up. He's directed some pretty good shit. Like, he's directed some episodes of Westworld, American Gods, uh, Hannibal, but notably he directed uh, the movie Splice in 2009, which I thought was kind of underrated. And he also... He also directed a movie in 1997 called Cube, which is actually pretty damn good if you haven't seen it. Okay, so should I be excited for this film? Uh, relatively, yeah. Re- re- uh, probably a little higher than usual, yeah. Okay, because I'm not going to lie, the first like half of this trailer, I was like, okay, this looks kind of dumb. But when they started getting to like, the more supernatural concepts towards the later of it, I was like, Okay, this could be cool if they do it right. It's it's hard to tell. Like, if we're going to see a whole movie about people walking through grass, like, well, props to them for doing something unique. I don't know how I don't, I don't know how entertaining gonna that's going to be. Yeah, like that. Um, when I think of a riveting, exciting cinema, I don't think of people walking in tall grass for two hours. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, <laughs> look, the next one I think that's worth mentioning is uh, Dark Waters, starring Mark Ruffalo. Bro, this looks like they're, yeah. they're going for some awards, right? This this is my most excited, uh, ex- like the the most excited I am for a trailer this this week. Um, Dark Waters, yeah. So this kind of crept up. I did not know this was coming out or anything like that. I did not know about the story that this is based on, but it looks like a movie that's kind of right up my alley. I love the post and I love Spotlight. Um, mentioned it on the podcast plenty of times, and this looks exactly like like those like you know what i mean except it's like a different kind of different kind of story it's also directed by todd haynes who uh was kind of like a one of the front runners for um best director and best picture a couple years ago with uh, the movie called carol um but yeah this this looks fantastic man like it's a true story it's about um a attorney who uncovers like a connection between a string of like deaths and uh the chemical company dupont and he's kind of like, you know, taking it right to the top. It's a conspiracy, right? So I love that. I love these kinds of films. 
Um, but the cast is actually pretty fucking, you know, pretty great. Mark Ruffalo, Anne Hathaway, Tim Robbins, and um, fucking Cheaty from The Good Place. Right? Yeah, um, yeah, like I saw him, and that really, that really got me. Um, someone else that's caught my attention was uh, Victor Garber, um, who I know has a, mm-hmm. a huge history with. Um, Everything. He's a veteran actor. You know, he was in Argo. He was in He's, yeah. Alias, Titanic. Yeah. Um, but recently, I- I've seen him in The Flash. <laughs> but that's not right. as. Right. Or, but yeah, yeah, that's not as exciting. I think. Or Legends also, of Tomorrow as well. Yeah, man. But yeah. Also, I just want to say this trailer is exceptionally well cut. Um, it is a really well edited so well trailer. Uh, it, like they, the way they make things extra dramatic with the music feels a little bit over the top, but it fucking works. So uh, props to them for that. We got one last trailer to talk about today um, before we move into our reviews, which I'm really excited to talk about. Um, and that's one called, I think I'm going to fuck up the name. It's called The Aeronauts. Was that how you pronounce it? The Aeronauts? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. The Aeronauts. What do you think of this trailer, man? So this was not a trailer that I had heard of until a couple hours ago when you messaged me, The Aeronauts. I was like, oh, all right. And I was so, like, shocked. I was like, whoa, Eddie Redmayne? Whoa, Felicity Jones? What the fuck? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I watched the trailer and I was like, this is this looks fucking great. Like, visually, it looks fantastic. And, like, the two leads are, or, you know, they're, they're fucking always great. Except for Eddie Redmayne and fucking Jupiter Ascending, but whatever. But, yeah, those two were great in the theory of everything. They had great chemistry. They're fantastic. Um, also, Himesh Patel, who was also in Yesterday. Danny Boyle's Yesterday is back in this film. Uh, but this film is, it's 90% on Rotten Tomatoes out of 25 reviews. Like, you know, and I always say these reviews, they're not always the deciding factor for me. But if they're all kind of like leaning one way, then I'm like, I start to automatically get a bit more excited. So, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm probably definitely going to check this out. So, yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, look, I think it's ridiculous to just ignore reviews altogether. Actually, to be honest, I, I think like when they all lean one way, it's really exciting. Um, but sometimes I feel like you could be, you could be full victim of pack mentality. Like there's some films that like, I know someone hates on it. So everyone else jumps on them. And sometimes, you know, I don't always agree with that, but if it's all positive, then usually, and if critics and fans are the same, then yeah, that's where like, as much as people like to rip on Rotten Tomatoes sometimes, like it is very valuable and good for like things like that. So, um, sorry about that guys. Um, so that's really, that's really awesome. Yeah. I should note that this is coming to Amazon. Um, I love how this looks. It is beautiful. All these shots of the clouds, um, so beautiful. And the way they use color and the production, like design and costuming, like this, this looks awesome. The the the, the balloons though, like it looks the way they're doing it. It's very stylized. It's almost like Tim Burton esque, like the, when he's not being goth, but just like the way it's so surreal. Um, but it's like intentionally surreal. I wouldn't call it bad CGI because it's purposely meant to look. Is stylized, you know. I'm intrigued. I won't lie. Um, I just hope the whole film isn't two people sitting in a basket up in the clouds, but I don't think it is. Um, and it looks like it's based on a true story too, so that's interesting. Oh, inspired by true events. So yeah, I, this this looks pretty good. I'm on board for this, man. Um, any other thoughts before we move on? No, no. Let's move right into our fucking reviews. Let's get into it. Fuck yeah. Okay. So for our reviews, we've got Ad Astra and Good Boys. I missed Ad Astra this week. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I know you saw it and it looks right up your alley. This looks like a Zohead movie. (laughs) This is Major Roy McBride. 
I'm attempting to reach Dr. Clifford McBride. This is Dr. McBride's son. Dad, I'd like to see you again. I recall how we used to watch black and white movies together and musicals were your favorite. I remember you tutoring me in math. You instilled in me a strong work ethic. You should know I've chosen a career that you would approve of. I've dedicated my life to the exploration of space. And I thank you for that. Play it on me, man. Should I be watching this or should I be skipping it? Um, maybe, maybe wait for wait for it to come onto Netflix. <laughs> Ooh. It's okay. Look, okay. <laughs> I liked it for the most part. It is a good movie. It is, it is fantastically well directed. Like James Gray knows how to shoot a film, and this is a uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema who did Dunkirk as a, a cinematographer. So he's obviously he's got an eye for fucking you know visuals, right? This is a this is a beautiful looking movie. Um, Brad Pitt is fucking great. Donald Sutherland is fucking great. Tommy Lee Jones is great. The big issue I had with this film is that the pacing is kind of brutal sometimes. And like I was kind of, you know, I was right. expecting I was expect, expecting it to be a bit of a slower film. Like I was expecting it to be a much more sort of introspective um I guess trek through space to rescue someone, mm. right? Like that's what I was expecting. But then I've also in that in that sentence I've also just described apocalypse now. Like you know what I mean? That is the plot of apocalypse now and make no mistake everything that happens in apocalypse now kind of happens beat for beat in Ad Astra. And it's just like well, did we just rip off fucking one of the greatest films of all time to and just, you know, set it in space? I don't know. Um <laughs> But yeah, it, it, like, you know, once you kind of like figure out, okay, so it's uh, Apocalypse Now, and that means by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh, I know what's going to happen here. Like, I know what's going to happen when he finds his father. Um, and that in itself is a bit of a spoiler. So yeah, look, it was it was fine. It was a, it was a damn decently directed movie. Um, there are some really awesome ideas here that I really wish they fleshed out even further. Um, this film is a... It, it's packed of it's packed full of ideas. Like I love the idea that this takes place in in the near future. I love that we've colonized the moon, and I love that there's like these roving bands of like Mad Max style fucking um, bandits who fight wars on the moon. Like that is fucking sick. I want to see that shit. Um, Bro, you're you're selling me on yeah. this. I thought you said it wasn't good. Yeah, but it's it's too <laughs> brief. It's too brief. Like. And, you know, it's not really, this isn't really the kind of movie that it's trying to be. It's not trying to be an action film. Um, it's trying to be, it's trying to tell something, uh, or it's trying to say something about this father and son relationship. Um, and, and I guess it's trying to be, I don't know, the message of this movie was kind of mixed. Like, it was muddled a little. It's like, it's almost trying to say that space exploration is not a good thing it's trying to say that you know because like the the main character brad spitt character is like always trying to get back to earth and when he gets back to earth he is happy he gets back to his wife and um 
he literally says something along the lines of like, I can't wait to end my solitude. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, I, I get that. I get that sentiment, but it's also like, the, it, it seems very anti, anti-exploration. And look, you know what? That's a concept. That's an idea. Like it seems like the, it seems like the opposite of what Interstellar was going for. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, you know, messages aside, um, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a decent movie that's worth checking out once. Um, I think the pacing is sometimes brutal, but you know it's definitely worth checking out. Got some great ideas, and it's a it's a beautiful looking movie. Um, I'd probably give it maybe a, a a six and a half to a seven, somewhere around there. Cool, 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 cool. Up next, we've got Good Boys, uh, a film that we both saw and haven't talked about yet. So I'm keen to hear your thoughts. I thought this movie was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> this yes. this was hilarious. Like okay, not only was it hilarious, but it also had a lot of fucking heart to it too. Um it was it was great. My my cheeks were hurting by the end of it. Like you know, like these kids, that this they have so much. They have such great chemistry between them. Um, the joke writing is absolutely brilliant. You can tell Seth uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Um, they they're like you know behind the script and they're just like yes yes let's throw this in here let's throw that in there, and it looks like this film was like just so much fun to make. Like it just seems like the cast is having a good time and you know it, it, we we come off having good a good a great time. Um, Ethan Ethan Tremblay <laughs> like fucking due date. Jacob Tremblay mm-hmm. is a great little lead. I love that kid, man. Like seriously, from Predators to. Um, oh, sorry, the Predator to for, to Room. Like he's he's always a, a good fun guy to watch. But I actually really like the chubby African American kid. <laughs> I don't really yeah. I don't really know his name, but I just thought he was fucking hilarious because like he is literally me. <laughs> um, like you know, everyone's downstairs playing spin the bottle, and I'm up here playing fucking VR. That's that's me in a nutshell, dude. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I thought this movie oh. was kind of a little relatable. <laughs> <laughs> in that sense um honestly the whole running joke i respect women my mom is my best yeah. friend um, <laughs> such a good line the whole such running joke about the beer that is so 100 accurate because beer <laughs> is absolutely disgusting but it was so cool to pretend that it tastes great <laughs> um yeah. yeah i just thought it was a fantastic movie if i had to give it a negative if i had to give it a negative it would be that this is basically super bad but uh, toned like sorry everyone is younger because they're given kind of like a mission at the start and they have to end up at a party at the end and pretty much it's, it's them trying to get to from a to z uh with all the other letters of the alphabet in the middle um and pretty much we end up with pretty much the same message right like it's like you know these kids are eventually going to grow apart and life is kind of going to get in the way um and, and that was kind of super Dude, bad. They absolutely knew. They absolutely knew this was super bad. Like, hell, in a lot of the trailers, they're like from the people who brought you super bad. Like they made this film knowing like, you probably use super bad as a template. Like usually I would discourage that, but this movie's so fucking great. And you know, there's only a certain amount of ways you can tell a story like this. 
Um, but you're right. You're you're absolutely right. Some people may falter for that. I don't. I think that might be a bit of a knock for me. Like, I was just like, uh, especially considering that it's from two of the same filmmakers. Like, I, I feel like it's a bit, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it felt a little, yeah, that seems a bit lazy, guys. But um, I did like a man overall. I uh, had a great time. Um, I'd probably give it maybe like an 8 out of 10 or an 8.5. Yeah, man. Uh, like, first of all, this movie is live action South Park. <laughs> it's so <laughs> <Right>. good. <laughs> Um, this is probably the funniest movie I've seen in the theater since, since, uh, I can't remember when I laughed this hard. I really can't. I'm really struggling. Definitely the best comedy of the year I've seen. Probably best of last year. What came out the year before that? Dude, yeah, like, uh, unless you count, and we talked about this before, um, unless you count something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, which I I know you really liked, um... I guess he could. I guess technically you could call that a comedy. It is very funny. But I think I still rather th- this is more my speed. I love the fucked upness of it. Like this is this is such a movie for me. When I first saw this trailer, I said to my, I, I said straight away, this is one of the best comedy trailers I've ever seen ever because I just kept laughing and laughing and laughing. It's hard to get me laugh through a trailer. And it was like, oh, well, they did all that. There must be, maybe they used all the good jokes. Nope. So many more. In fact, the first 20 minutes of this film, while they're setting everything up, this is where a lot of comedies dip, is where or where the comedies often fail or, or fail. It's either in the third act when it becomes an action film. This doesn't really have that problem as much. Um, and or in the first like 20 minutes or so where they're trying to establish the character and set out that. But if anything, it's some of the funniest stuff is in the first half hour of this film. Um, I love the characters. I can't believe how good the fucking actors are. These kids... They fucking crush it, bro. They fucking crush it. Um, it's so funny. It's got heart. Like the the more heart moment, like the hearty feel good, the, the sentimental moments, like they've all been done before. Um, in fact, this plot's basically been done before. They've changed a few things, but it's um, it's the script is just so well and it's so executed. Um, this is that's all I can really say. It's it's one of the funniest films ever. I like the soundtrack and the music too. I love the way they they coloured it, the, the, the editing, and I loved uh, uh, the performances. And uh, I I want to talk about this movie forever, but I'm just going to be repeating the same point over and over. It which is I loved it. 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 I'm giving it a nine out of ten, but I can't find a single flaw with it that sticks out for me like if i was in an unbiased perfect world i'd give it 10 out of 10 but that that doesn't feel right so i'm giving it a nine i honestly think that this could go down alongside films like Step Brothers and anchorman as like one of those really iconic comedies memorable comedies and i really hope it gets out there in the mainstream because it's so insanely quotable i remember so many good quotes from that movie that's hard for me with comedy sometimes i think that's the main thing um it's super quotable. And admittedly, a lot of these jokes have sort of been done before, but they do it in such a fresh way at this style that it's, it just works. So, um, yeah, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. Easy 9 out of 10. It's the easiest 9 I've given, I think, ever. Maybe maybe not, but just for nice. what it is, it's great. But uh, that being said, I think a lot of people are going to hate this movie. Um, I think uh, the humor is not going to land for everybody. It's definitely aimed for a certain demographic, and some people aren't going to like it. But for me, fucking the best shit ever. The best fucking. I can't. I've never laughed this hard in the theater. I think, in in forever. So, 
So, yeah. Anyways, I think that wraps it up for this episode of Midnight Double Feature. Um, do you have anything you want to talk about or plug or drop before we before we bounce? Um, no, but guys, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Um, this has been one of our upcoming attractions episodes. Uh, we have our feature presentation episode coming up next week. Um, that will be, and I'm announcing it here because we haven't announced it on our socials yet. Uh, I believe Colin is going with the Babadook. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, that, that one I haven't seen yet. I know, surprisingly, I'm very un-Australian. But um, I'm very keen to see it, very keen to see it for the podcast. And that's going to be leading us into uh, Halloween, which will, yeah, <laughs> which will hopefully give us a few uh, horror episodes. So stick around for that. Can't wait for it. And as always, guys, if you want to check us out, Midnight Double Feature, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, find us in the After Party on Facebook. Um, give us a five-star review on iTunes and we will love you forever. We will hug you. We will kiss you. We will call you beautiful. We will go hold hand in hand, walk with you on the beach because we are sluts and we will do whatever it takes that five-star review. No, we're Indeed. not. I'm going to just whore out Zohab. That's, that's all. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you so much for this episode, guys. We hope you had as much fun listening as we had making it. Um, and next time we chat, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. There will be Joker. There will be... I just saw Between Two Ferns movie is now Netflix. I did too. So I'll, pro- I'll probably watch that tonight, actually. And yeah, so much, so much cool shit coming this way. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Catch you later.